Excellent. Thank you so much you know, for coming out tonight. Thank you for praying for Pastor. He's in uh, a very ill state and uh, appreciate your prayers a lot. Happy to come and uh, thankful for the opportunity to be able to bring forth the Word of God to you this evening. And so before we begin, let's, let's start off with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the wonderful day that you've given to us this evening that we have to be able to freely meet here tonight and worship. Lord, I ask, Father, that you would uh, be with me tonight, fill me with your spirit, that I would only bring forth your words and uh, that it would be done clearly. I pray, Lord, for your conviction that our hearts would be uh, hurt and changed over our sin. And Lord, that we would be more conformed into the image of your Son. Help us uh, to live our lives wholeheartedly for you. I pray, Father, that you would be with us the rest of this week. Give us a divine appointment, Lord, for a soul who is looking for help, looking for you, Lord, that we would be bold uh, to teach them and to share with them the gospel, that you have sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, I pray that we would uh, live such a great light in this area, amongst in our work, and in everywhere that you have us go. We ask these things in Christ's name, that you would get all honor and glory. Amen. If you take the Word of God with me this evening, let's go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Tonight we're going to be talking about a subject, a subject that has really taken uh, control over our whole lives since our birth, a subject that influences everyone deeply to the core. People use it as an excuse for their behavior, whether good or bad. People use it as an opportunity to take advantage of of people. People take it uh, as an opportunity to grow and develop, to be a light and to love. We're going to be talking about family tonight. Family, and not only us personal family, but specifically the family of God. We're in Mark chapter 3, and beginning in verse 31, we find ourselves where Jesus is with a multitude. He's surrounded by people because He is, he is healing, He is uh, teaching, and, and people have, have come all around because they want to be around this man, Jesus, whom they see as someone that they can get something from, someone who has the Word of God, someone who could heal them, someone who could give them food, what, whatever it may be, we find ourselves where Jesus is in on the middle of a multitude of people. And here, his family is coming, his mother, and it says his brothers and his sisters. And I'm assuming that it's, it has been a while since Jesus has been around his family, because who knows how far they have traveled, how long it has taken them to come to him, and now they're pleading for his attention. They're crying out for Jesus. But it, I'm thinking that he can't hear them because the crowd has to tell Jesus that his family, his family is crying out for him. And so we find ourselves in verse 31. There came then his brethren and his mother and, his, and standing without sent unto him calling him. And the multitude sat about him. They said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren seek, seek for thee. And he answered them saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them that uh, sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, and my sister, and my mother. 
You see, when Jesus' family came, came pleading, looking for him, he was with the crowd ministering to them, and the crowd told him, your, your family is crying out for you. And, and it's, it's really profound because I think Jesus' family hasn't been with him for a while, so they're, they're trying to seek him out and get him. And yet he says this, this one thing. He says, who is my family? Who are you talking about? Jesus, your, your mother and your, your brothers, your, your family are here. They, they want you. Who, who are you talking about? Who, 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 is, who is this that needs me? And in a really profound way, he looks, looks around the people, the multitude that are with him, and he says, Behold, my mother and my brethren. Now imagine with me for a moment the shock that this would have brought because this is in a Middle Eastern culture, right? Family is everything. You think of tribalism, you think, you think of family as a last name. You can, get, you can get away with a lot if you share the same last name as other people. And yet here in this moment... Jesus seemingly completely disowns his family and says everyone around him is his family. It's not just that core group of people that he was raised with. He says, everyone around me is my family, but there's this one key. There's this one, one part, this one classifier that makes the, everyone around Jesus his own family. And it is found in verse 35. He says, for whosoever shall do the will of God... The same is my brother and my sister and my mother. And so tonight I, I want to think on this subject, being a part of the family of God, being a part of Christ's family. And when He looks on you and in your life, can He say that you are doing the will of God? And maybe tonight you might ask yourself, are you a part of the family of God? So the first thing I want to look at, the first subject, is the importance of the importance of family in God's eyes. You see, yes, it is important that we have a father and a mother, and yes, it is important that the children obey their family and their parents, but here Jesus is specifically pulling out this one key, the importance of family. Not only are the people that are around you, but you must think eternally. You must have your mind on eternal things. Are you a part of the family of God? Are you one with the Lord, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. And when Paul thinks about the family of God, he thinks he says this in Romans chapter eight, verse fourteen. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So there's this, this other aspect of being led by the Spirit of God, if you're being a part of the family of God, and whosoever shall do the will of God. All these, all these things come together so that we can see that we are living as one who is a part of the family of God. Another key that we must think about is whether or not our lives are lived doing the will of God. And the first thing I want to look at with, with that is how can we be in God's family we must remember 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where, Jesus, where, where uh, Peter writes that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All should come to repentance. You see, Jesus looks around and he says, anybody can be my, my mother, anybody can be my brother, anybody can be my sister, anybody can be a part of my family. But there's this one key, you must do the will of God, and it is God's will that every one of us have a moment in our lives that we come to repentance. 
We recognize ourselves as sinners. We recognize ourselves in rebellion against God's law. And we choose to go the other way. We choose to forsake our sins. We choose to accept Christ as our personal Savior. And we choose to live for Him. What a shame it would be that we would be a part of the family of God and yet turn back and live in the filth that we once were in. I want, I want you to think for a moment this, this idea of adoption that the Bible often talks about when being a part of the family of God, being pulled out of darkness into His marvelous light through the adoption. And, and when we think of... I, lis, I listened to, to a podcast where a man was, was speaking about how he adopted children from China. And he specifically chose children who had cancer and they, they had tumors and, and all these things. And, and he helped pay for their treatment here in the United States. But he pulled those children in a very real way out of a terrible situation where either their family or, or whatever it was could not take care and afford of, of their terminal disease. And he pulled them out of, out of that situation, whether it might have been filth, I don't know. But he pulled them out of the filth and made them into the family of God. And get treatment in the United States. So we think of our adoption being in a very...
Are we on? There we go. Excellent. And the work that He has done for them on the cross. So it is, it is the Father's will that all should see Christ, see Him, believe on the work that He has done for, him, for them, and then have everlasting life. If you look to Jesus and look away from your sin in repentance, then you can have everlasting life and be adopted. So that is how we can be a part of the family of God. But this, this, last, this last part I want to look at is the life of the adopted. There's a beautiful picture of what happens in, in Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3, and in verse, verse 3 we find ourselves in a, in a scenario where Joshua the high priest has been brought up into heaven and he is standing before the angel of the Lord. He is standing before the angel of the Lord and he finds himself in this courtroom up in heaven where there's the angel of the Lord and Satan. And Satan is, is arguing and is, is standing against Joshua. And here we find ourselves that Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel in verse 3. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him in verse 4, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. So Joshua is standing with filthy garments. He's standing with his sin before the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord tells the other angels around to take his filthy garments, his sin, off of him. And then to put on new garments, to put on robes of righteousness that have been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the angel of the Lord, I believe, is Jesus. It is Jesus. And when Jesus looks on Joshua and He says, Take away your filthy garments, he is replacing them with clean garments because he has paid the price. This is, this is a prophetic. This is prophetic. We find ourselves that the same exact thing happens to us when we accept Christ as our Savior. All, all things are passed away. Behold, all uh, things become new. <laughs> and, and so when we live our life going back into the filth of our sin, going back into what, whatever it is that we, we were doing before, it is as if we are saying, thank you for these clean new garments, but I'm going to go back and turn and get them, not that you can get them dirty again, but turn back and, and live in filth and squalor. And it is a shame for a believer to live in such a way. And so we must see, we must learn, we must apply this truth to our lives on how we can live as an, as an adopted child of Jesus Christ. And when we think on these, we can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, it is very clear that Paul writes on how believers must live. Believers must live in a very specific way, turned away, apart from the world. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth not walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understand excuse me, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, 
through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. So here Paul describes the life of the Gentiles, the life of an unbeliever, one who is living separated from God, who has his understanding darkened, being alienated from a life of God. And yet if you come to Jesus Christ and you repent of your sins and you accept Him as your Savior and you believe that He has died on the cross for your sins, then you are brought into a life with God, your understanding to be illumined. You have seen the light. And we are to live as Christ has set forth as an example. That is why he says in verse 20, But ye have not so learned Christ. The man, who has, the man and God who has given his life for you, we are supposed to live after. To be obedient to his commandments and what he has said. And to live a life as we did before would be shameful. We have not so learned of Christ. Verse 21. If so, be that ye have heard Him, and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversations of the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lusts. We are to put off this former way of living. And in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And verse 24, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And he goes on moving forward speaking about what this new man does, how this new man lives his life, turning away from the old man and putting on the new man through renewing our mind. And you might ask, how, how do I renew my mind so that I live in obedience to the Lord? That is, renewing your mind through constant meditation in His Word. I don't know how many of you uh, have heard a, a new song of late, and, and bits and pieces might get stuck in your, song, in your head. Bits and pieces, and, and you might listen to the song again and again and again and again and again, and you're renewing your mind. You're putting in new information, renewing your mind such that you can recall the song, the melody, whatever it might be, in your head, and you can sing it at any time that you want. Or maybe you'll sing it whenever a certain chord is struck, a tune is played, and the whole, whole song comes flooding back into your memory in that situation. That is because you renewed your mind to remember the song. You renewed your mind to remember the song. And, and when temptation arises or, or struggles come about and, and we cause to, we're caused to fear... A certain chord might be struck in our heart where the Lord says, where God's Word says that He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A certain chord might be struck where He says that I will be with you always, even unto the end of the earth. A certain chord might be struck in our hearts because we've been meditating on His Word and it will help us battle and, and fight off temptation. <clears throat> this is extremely important not only in our own lives, but it is important for us to live this as a church. I've heard it said many times that uh, the church is the foundation for this nation, that 
the health, the, the healthiness of the church, and, and the church needs to get to work, and all, and all this stuff because the nation is falling apart. But the core of the church, yes, Christ is the head, and the church is built of, up of believers. And as believers, if we do not live a life dedicated to God's Word, renewing our mind, being a light to this world, the health of the church declines. It is incredibly important for all of us if we are to grow not only as believers, but if we are to grow as a family, if we are to grow as, as a church, that we don't live sin-filled lives, that we don't live lives self-centered on our own, but to move forward in Christ. If we continue reading in verse, verse 22, this idea of putting off, renewing, and then putting on, he says in verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which, which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. This is a list, a small and short list that encompasses much of our lives that must be put away. All of these things must be put away. Our minds must be renewed. And in the second half of most of these verses, there is application to our lives that we must put on. But why must, why must we put away? In verse 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, where whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Imagine how much it must grieve God and His Spirit within us when we are filled with His Spirit because we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb and yet live a life unholy and defiled. Live a life of sin. Live a life of our own not considering God's will. Imagine how much it must grieve Him, the price that He paid on the cross and the suffering that Jesus felt, that the Holy Spirit of God within us would be hurt and grieved. And you see, He ends here with a catch-all phrase, let, us all, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Just as God has treated every one of us with great mercy and love and grace, we too must treat those that are around us with great mercy, love, and grace. It's a catch-all phrase to cover every aspect of our life as believers. And in this we are part of the family of God, and those that are around us may see it. And you see, Jesus says 
that we should do good, do good works, that others may see it, and they would glorify our Father in heaven. You see, it's not, not for ourselves. We, we do good not so that we would get good. We do good not because we are, are fearful of, of what might happen to us. We should do good have an abundance of our heart and overflowing of an understanding of what Christ has done, all that Christ has given to us. And it is through our obedience in doing good, it is through our obedience in doing God's will for our lives that we shine the brightest. And when we shine bright, others notice. And when others notice, they're curious. And as their curiosity comes about, you must be bold and tell them the truth. Why are we different? Why do we shine so brightly? Why do we not fear? Why? And it is because we serve the Almighty God who has given his Son, for our salvation. And we can so boldly and, 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 and purely come before Him at the end of our lives. And it is through that that we have peace through these dark times. We must make an effort through prayer and with prayer and with God's help to get rid of all of the sin in our life, to renew our mind. Christ will forgive us when we fail. Praise the Lord. Because I don't know about you, but oftentimes I fail and I sin. But through repentance and coming back to the Lord, He is with us always. And it is God's will for you to be saved. It is God's will for you to be a part of His family if you have not come to repentance, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior. Let us not live a life that would cause God great shame, but live wholeheartedly to Him, wholeheartedly obedient to His will for our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Son, for your mercy in sending Him and your grace that we would have everlasting life through believing in Him and the work that He has done, the blood that He has shed for our sins. Father, I pray that you would be with us uh, tomorrow, be with us this week. Lord, in, in the many difficulties, the trials and temptations that will come about even tonight, or tomorrow as, as, as we go about our days. May you bring to remembrance what we have studied from your word. May you bring to remembrance the cross in our hearts, the price that your son has paid for us. Lord, when those trials and, and the temptations come about, may this encourage us and give us strength to live for you and to turn away from our sin. Be with us, Lord, that we would shine so brightly. Give us boldness, Father, to teach and preach the gospel in any, any opportunity that you give us. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.